Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Welcome to episode 41 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy. And I am just getting really excited because we are a few weeks away from the Craft to Career course opening its doors. This happens once a year. And if you cannot tell by my podcast, I love business. I absolutely love it. And my particular niche specialty is helping others grow their business. It's, it is something I obsess over, read about, study, uh, so I cannot wait. This one time a year, the Craft to Career course is about to open, and I am getting ready. I am so excited. I will be having some Q&A calls for those who are interested in joining the Craft to Career course. You can join me and hear all the details, the nitty-gritties about what's included in the course, and ask me any questions that you have. If you are wanting to sign up for the waitlist or the live Q&A calls, then click the link in my bio, which you can find at quilterscandy.com under podcast and episode 41 with guest Kim Jimenez, and the links will be there. And with the course in mind, I have a review to read that is very timely. It comes from chargegirl22, and she says... Helpful and easy to follow. I tuned into Elizabeth's episode about memberships today. It was divine because I'm exploring creating a membership right now. She provided a ton of knowledge but didn't make it overwhelming. She even offers to help you one-on-one if you enroll in her preferred platform, Kajabi. I'm not sure if I'm there just yet, but this episode definitely made my wheels turn and provided guidance for when I am ready. So Charge Girl 22, I'm so glad that that episode was helpful. And yes, I do offer one-on-one help if you use Kajabi, not just Kajabi, but use my affiliate link to sign up for Kajabi, which I will also leave that affiliate link in the show notes. And if you are interested in working with me to get help with your business, then the Craft a Career course is definitely something you want to check out and look into because I do not offer a lot of one-on-one help, but signing up for Kajabi is one way and taking the craft to career course. In fact, the first 20 students who sign up for the craft to career course will also get a one-on-one coaching call with me. So I cannot wait. It's just around the corner. February 7th through 11th is when registration is open And with that said, let's dive in and talk about ways for you to grow your business today. We have guest Kim Jimenez, who I have been following on Instagram because one of you, my listeners, tagged her in a post that I made. And I'm so glad that you did. And I wish I knew who it was. If it was you, you'll have to send me a DM and be like, that was me. And I'll give you a shout out because I'm so glad that you did. Kim is just refreshing. She is so fun. But I love that she will always start her messages with, hey, my familia, hola, mi familia. And she's just very her. And not just in that, she is not afraid to talk about her faith, her views on current events and political issues, which honestly terrifies me a little bit. And not just that, her business savvy is so good. She And it was so fun hearing her and chatting with her because as she said stuff, I, I want to think that we are very similar because I really, really like her and I really like her approach to business. And you will hear why as you meet her today. So let's jump in and welcome to the show, Kim. Kim, thank you so much for being on the Craft to Career podcast. I actually had a listener, a follower of mine tag you and mention you. And I went over and just started snooping and I was like, okay, this girl's amazing. Please be on the podcast. And here you are. So I'm so glad you're here. For our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and just your background? 
Yeah, for sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. The feeling is mutual. I absolutely love everything that you're doing. I think it's so unique and you're just such a, I don't know, you just get to feel a vibe from someone, even if you have never spoken to them. This is the first time we're like seeing each other, speaking to each other. Um, but I could just feel you're just a very inviting, very loving person. And I, I just loved, I had to say yes, because it was such a, I don't know, it was a weird it was a weird thing. So I appreciate you having me and I'm um, excited to be here talking to your amazing tribe. Um, so I, there's just a lot, there's a lot when it comes to the background. So I'm going to try to keep it as short as I can. Um, right now, my main focus is helping entrepreneurs launch, grow and scale uh, businesses online. So we do that through our core program called the Business Lounge. And it's been going strong since 2016. We have uh, over 30,000 students that we serve through that program, as well as other uh, courses and workshops and coaching and all the fun things that we get to do online, uh, 32 plus countries, and it's been a whirlwind. So really, really fun stuff. We get to uh, talk about marketing and talk about business and really merge those two concepts because there's so much to learn on when it comes to growing a brand online. So everything from Facebook ads to blogging to creating amazing content to website to, you know, profitability strategies and making sure that you're growing a sustainable brand that really stands the test of time. So that's what I do currently, but really just started helping my husband on um, grow a small business, local business in a tiny town in Athens, Georgia, way back when, 10 years uh, this spring. So it's been a really amazing journey. That's kind of how I got my start in marketing, helping grow that small brand. Um, and then that company actually went on to become a major player. It was a student uh, moving service at the time that he started in college. And then it evolved to become a furniture installation company as well as a full-fledged moving service. And it grew that to multiple seven figures, um, nailed some really amazing contracts, installing thousands of furniture pieces for some of the largest furniture manufacturers in the United States. At the peak of our busy season, we employed over 300 people. And it was a really incredible experience. At the same time, I was growing my own marketing agency because that's kind of where I started. Went on to work in corporate America. Had a lot of success there, landing like my dream job straight out of college, not even because I hadn't even graduated. So I was 22 and just trying to find like what was my calling, what was my passion in the world and took a big, big risk. It was terrifying, had no idea entrepreneurship was going to be the thing that I ended up doing, wasn't good at it. I was going to school for nutrition and dietetics at the time and was like, what is this? Just kind of, it's been a crazy journey. And so here we are today and that's kind of my background. Yeah. Okay. One thing that you just barely touched on, but I saw this somewhere on your website or something, but you did marketing for other influencers, businesses. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of going from helping my husband build his business, lots of friends started asking, you know, like, how do you do this? Like, Facebook was a big deal at the time. And I don't know if you remember this or if you were in the social space back then, but we were marketing on Facebook when there was no ads in the newsfeed. And there was like barely any like features for brands and, and business owners. So if your listeners remember what like the ad platform looked like. You could only advertise on the right-hand column of Facebook. And that was like the big place where you could put your ads. Um, so we started playing around with a lot of that. And I decided to start a blog and a YouTube channel just to share some of what we were doing with our friends. And so word got around. I started loving the marketing aspect of business. And this was like whole new world for me because I was not the kid with like the lemonade stand at 10. That was my husband. Like I was super shy, super introverted. I still am and was like terrified of selling anything to anybody. Um, but the creative outlet was what really drew me in and what I was like really passionate about. And so it was almost a thing where 
I felt like this was what I was supposed to do in the world. And I had been going down one direction with the nutrition and dietetics um, aspect, which I'm still very passionate about. But this really felt like what I was meant to do. So decided to start interning with a marketing agency in that small town, which they gave me my big break as an intern with no experience other than what I was doing for my husband. And so that was a really cool experience. I worked with them for a couple of months, really cutting my teeth and working with companies that were everything from like roofing installation companies to heart surgeons to ophthalmologists and gyms and galleries and just anything, anyone who would say yes to us, we would take them on. Um, so it was a really great experience. And from there, I actually got uh, a job offer to work for one of the student development companies. So they were a developer who designed these really great properties for student housing across the U.S. And they wanted to build a social media department. And I was so shocked because there was no reason why they would have reached out to me other than I had a blog and I was sort of marketing myself without even wanting, you know, without even noticing that that was what I was doing. So they reached out on Facebook and I was like, this is very strange. Like this sounds kind of shady, but, um, decided Mm -hmm. to respond back and was like, okay, I'll come in for an interview, I guess. And so sat down with, um, the vice president, marketing director, and their creative director had a very intense interview where they were like, just grilling me with a ton of questions. And at the end, they're like, the job is yours if you want it. And I was like, yo, I don't have a degree. I don't have any experience. Like what? Why would you guys give me this opportunity? And they're like, listen, we don't have a department for social media. This is what's hot. This is what kids want. We know that you can do it. You would be in charge of building your own team. We have 12 different properties. You're going to have to build a team in each one. Um, You have to get to know the business from the ground up. We believe in you. Let's go. And so it was this like crazy moment for me where I was terrified. I was like, there's no way I'm going to succeed in this job. There's no way I'm going to make it. Um, And so I had a really good support system. My parents who are academics and always told me you need to go to college, get an education, you know, get a good job. I was at the verge of graduating from college. And my mom is like the most risk averse person you have ever met. And she was like, you need to take the job now. And I was like, what? Mom, what the heck? I'm not going to finish college. She's like, don't worry about this. We're still recovering from a recession. Things are tough. This was 2012. And uh, took mm-hmm. the job was terrified and we did really well. And it was literally my dream job. It was amazing. And I got to work with like multi-million dollar marketing budget, handling huge campaigns on Facebook and Twitter. And Instagram was sort of starting to become a thing. Um, So that was really fun. And then I worked 60 hour weeks at the same time as still had clients that I was working with on the side. So I was burning the candle at both ends, helping my husband with his business, growing that. And it was just so much that um, like about eight, eight to nine months in, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so I was getting a lot of demand for getting clients on my own. And my heart, as much fun as working in corporate America was and building that amazing department, I felt like it just wasn't what I was meant to do. I wanted to work with the little guy. My passion was with helping small businesses get the word out there and compete with the big guys. So I decided maybe this is the time to just start my own social media agency and start doing a lot of online marketing on my own. And my husband constantly pushed me in that direction. He was like, you're good enough. You can do it. You're smart. People need this. And uh, I did not see it. I did not believe it. You know, that's just not who I was. And uh, him and his dad, actually, my, my father-in-law now, we were dating at the time, uh, sat me down and they were like, listen, never, ever, ever feel guilty about moving from something good to something great. And I think that's a famous like Peter Drucker quote. 
that just changed mm-hmm. my world. And I remember like crying and it was this whole like ordeal, like I don't want to leave this job. It's so amazing. I don't know if I'm going to be able to replace my income because the money was so good. And then um, just decided to do it. I put in my resignation letter. My boss was like, let's pretend this never happened. Why do you want to leave? <laughs> and I was like, because I want to work with other clients and that's my passion. And he's like, I was afraid this was going to happen. So listen, why don't we become your first corporate client? And then we can still work. You can set your hours. You can tell us how much you want to charge and we'll work on it that way. And for two years, they were my biggest client, my biggest corporate client while I built my roster of local clients. So it was amazing. Honestly, it was a God thing. I can't say that I earned all of this. This was God opening doors and people who believed in me who are amazing at seeing my potential who constantly pushed me to move forward. So that's the story. That is so cool. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and I hope I, I'm taking notes as you're speaking. So hopefully I can remember to ask it, but one of the things that really attracted me to you, well, a, just your confidence. I cannot believe that you're an introvert. Right? Oh, Oh, I kind of don't. <laughs> <laughs> ask my husband, ask my, literally, I'm so like shy and quiet, but you sort of have to be a little bit more demonstrative as you grow, you know, like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but yeah, so I really loved that you had experience behind the scenes, behind the curtain, you know, working for these companies, seeing what's working, what's not working. And I love if people don't follow you on Instagram, they should go ahead and tell us your Instagram handle real quick. Oh yeah. It's at Kim and Jimenez with two N's. It's hard to, it's hard. If you don't know how to pronounce my name, it's hard, but it's Kim and Jimenez, or you can just type in. Yeah, type in the business launch and you'll find our other account. Nice. Okay, the business launch. But you will come on and just give tidbits. And one, I'm going to kind of like ask you to dive deep into. Well, two of them. But one, you talk about profitability over popularity. That's kind of like, I think you coined this. I could be wrong, yeah. but I give you credit for this. <laughs> Thank um, you. So talk to us about that. Like what, tell me, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this was uh, just me trying to figure out how do I explain and communicate this message to new entrepreneurs, you know, seasoned entrepreneurs who are starting to get in the online space and, and grow and scale their brand that way. How do I bring what I was taught by mentors back when the internet was a very different place 10 years ago. And so I feel like um, as we start sharing more and more of our space with influencers and playing in the same sphere as influencers, we start changing the way that we actually conduct ourselves as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as creatives. And it's really interesting because having, I was so blessed and so lucky to have come into this space 10 years ago when it was completely radically different than it is now. And seeing how, you know, influencers really started to come in like, you know, 10 years ago, maybe you had, you know, a Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian and influencers were far and few between, right? We mostly had celebrities. And now the past five years as at the same almost time that entrepreneurship has erupted and has become this like fancy, shiny thing that a lot of people are excited about, influencers have also come into this space and um, have dominated, right? They're building incredible brands, huge followings, lots of attention, lots of engagement, and making incredible money doing it. So I find that business owners have kind of lost their identity as entrepreneurs in the online space, and we're more so modeling influencers chasing after the same things that they're chasing, but for a completely distorted reason. And so I think it's really important to make the distinction here and say, I love influencers. I have nothing against influencers. I think if you're an influencer, that's amazing and you should be that. But entrepreneurs tend to not realize that they're influencers because they're entrepreneurs. They're not entrepreneurs because they're influencers. 
And so we see this push and pull where a lot of influencers are calling themselves entrepreneurs, but they don't actually have their own products. They don't actually solve a problem in their marketplace. They're simply using the entrepreneurial mindset to monetize their content and make a lot of money through brand deals and through sponsorships and through affiliate marketing. And so we have to make the distinction as business owners if we're going to continue growing in the space and having a lot of success as we do so to realize as entrepreneurs and as business owners and as creatives, we can leverage a lot of the same strategies that have worked for influencers. When it comes to building an audience, we can learn from how they do content creation. But you have to understand that the business models are completely different, right? We're actually building a business behind the scenes that should be able to run profitably, whether we have access to Instagram or not, whether our Twitter account gets censored or not, whether we actually can get on TikTok or not. And so Influencers are directly tied to a particular platform, and they're looking at things like, how do I explode the algorithm? How do I actually hack my growth? How do I monetize through this post? What is going to go viral? That is what they're thinking, and that is their job. They should be thinking that. That is how their entire uh if you want to call it that business model works. Whereas with entrepreneurs, we have this weird thing about not selling ourselves on social media, not promoting our products. Oh, we're going to be too salesy. Oh, we can't share about this too much. And the reason we're feeling that way is because we're actually comparing ourselves to influencers, not because we understand our identity as entrepreneurs and we realize, hey, I'm a business. I'm in the space to sell. It's interesting because you'll go and look at um, Instagram feeds for big brands, corporate uh, you know, accounts, uh, brands like Nike or Adidas or uh, Spanx. They have zero, you know, they make zero like apologies about literally every post being a selling post. And while that's not the strategy that I recommend for small business owners, it's a good counterbalance to this notion that because we are operating in the same space as influencers, we somehow need to act like them. No, we do not. We are entrepreneurs. And so we have to lead with value. We have to lead with relationship. We have to model the things that are working for influencers, but we craft our own path and we determine how we want to manage these amazing tools that we've been given, but that's what they are. They are tools. They are not the goal. So I see so often entrepreneurs and creators, particularly in the maker space, um, fall into this trap of, oh my goodness, like I'm not getting enough followers. I'm not growing my audience enough. I'm not getting enough engagement. I need to hit this invisible milestone in their mind or I will not be taken seriously. I will not have a business. I will not be profitable. And so the idea of profitability over popularity is very simple. It's you have to be aware what game you're actually playing online. Are you going to play the influencer game or are you going to play the entrepreneurial game? The entrepreneurial game looks at the long term. We're looking at five years from now. How am I going to sell my products? 10 years from now, what brand am I actually building? It comes back to the core of business and entrepreneurship and it differentiates between who we are as entrepreneurs in this space and what we want to be perceived as. So oftentimes we're like, I want to be popular instead of being profitable. And so I'm, I see entrepreneurs making this choice time and time again of I'm actually going to focus on the wrong things in my business that are not going to yield revenue for me because I think that eventually they will. So I work with so many entrepreneurs who come to us and they have 250,000 followers, a million followers, and they have no idea how to monetize that following because they've attracted the wrong people. They're attracting people who just want to engage with their funny, silly post, but will never buy from them. So my mentality as an entrepreneur is I want to attract buyers. And if I can attract 100,000, 200,000, 1 million buyers, amazing. I want to do that. But my focus isn't on building an audience for the sake of building an audience and reaching a particular set of numbers, because I think that that's going to legitimize my business. I'm confident enough to know I'm a real business and I make real money. We run a seven-figure brand with 10,000 Instagram subscribers. Very few people can do that. So it's one of those things where I just want to make sure that we're bringing this message and we're making conscious decisions about choosing what is going to be best for the business long term, because it's our responsibility to stay in business. 
It's our responsibility to serve at our highest purpose. And there's people in the world that need the solutions that we're offering. And so if we're so caught up chasing, you know, shiny object syndrome constantly, trying to measure up to influencers, we're not going to achieve the mission. So that's really my message when it comes to profitability versus popularity. Oh, I love it. It's so funny. I, I My last podcast episode, I actually mentioned Spanx in this very analogy because really? let's be honest, Sarah Blakely <laughs> is our hero. Yes, right. right? Absolutely. So um, then my question is for those who are listening, who are starting, they have no audience. Mm-hmm. How do they get heard? Like, what are your top one or two recommendations for finding those people without playing the popularity game? But you do have to have your your product seen, you know? Right, so absolutely. So what are the one or two tips for getting seen? I love this. So I, I want to make the distinction, right? I'm not saying don't chase after a large audience, don't get seen, don't get visibility. I want you to do all those things. I just want you to do it with the mentality of how is this going to sell my product? How is this going to serve my brand? Whether it's a long-term strategy and you're like, you know what, I'm actually going to build an audience of X amount of people and I'm going to funnel them through a very specific strategic um strategy, online marketing strategy, and I'm going to capture their name and email and I'm going to market to them via email. So I own the relationship. I'm good with all of that, but it's really just starting with the right mentality and then saying, okay, if I'm just getting started and I don't have a lot of visibility, my number one job is to get that visibility. And so there's several ways that you could do that. And I think we've lost this over time as more and more people have come into the, the expert space. And we're looking at One of the simplest ways that you can start leveraging that visibility is to partner with other people and leverage influencers too. There, you see all these big brands, right? Like again, Spanx or Nike, Adidas, um, Apple, they're sponsoring influencers left and right. And so they're leveraging the audience that someone else has built. And oftentimes this doesn't need to be a paid collaboration. So I have one of our our students, for example, in the business lounge, I'm not going to say his name for privacy reasons, but he's a really amazing creator. He's patented several products and he came to me and he's like, look, I have this $10 product. I have no social media audience. Like, how do I get this product seen? How do I grow an audience? And we came up with a plan together and I said, okay, you're going to send your product. You're going to go to YouTube. You're going to find at least 20 YouTube channels that don't need to be huge, right? They could be 5,000 subscribers, 10,000 subscribers, people who are a couple steps ahead of you. And even stretch yourself and talk to people who have a million subscribers, 100,000 subscribers. They're talking about your particular niche. And his product was in the photography space. So he went and he found 20 different YouTubers who uh, had amazing channels in a really tightly knit community. He did a bunch of research to make sure that his audience or the audience that he was looking for was the right fit with their channels. And so he went and he emailed them and said, hey, can I send you some product for you to review? Zero, you know, um, pressure to actually talk about it. I just want you to see if you like it, enjoy it. And if you do, would you share it in one of your videos? These influencers, you know, some of them didn't get back to him, but five of them did. And so they reviewed his product. And the first day, the first video went live, he made $5,000 off a $10 product. So there's so much power in leveraging other people's audiences and, uh, My husband, Chris, laughs at me because I call it the OPA method, but it's really other people's audiences. It's easier to remember that way. And as you start building your own brand, start building relationships. There might be someone who is in alignment with what you do, playing in the same space, but you guys are not direct competitors. And I always like using an example for like, let's say that you are, um, I don't know, you're in the this might be not a good example. Let me let me stick to my space. If you're in the fitness space, right? You're a coach or you're a trainer. Um, it would be great for you to partner with a nutritionist or a dietitian, right? You serve the same audience, but you're not competitors. And so you can collaborate and you can do things like, let me do an Instagram takeover. Let me go live and, and share a tip and strategy with your audience. And you do the same on my platform. Um, let me collaborate for a shout out. And oftentimes this doesn't need to be financial, but you could pay for a shout out on Instagram, or you could pay for a collaboration. You can sponsor a, a Instagram post, or you can 
sponsor a Pinterest pin or you can sponsor a YouTube video. And it's not that expensive. People think you need to have like thousands and thousands of dollars in your marketing budget. And oftentimes I've worked with collaborators that will sponsor a post for $50, for $60, for $200. And that exposure is so much better than paying for ads at times. So it's one of those things where there's so many options. Start building relationships and then also look at what is a platform that you could potentially leverage that gives you that search factor. So we talk about this a lot in the business lounge. And um, I love telling our clients, let's focus on pairing two platforms, one that is search-based and one that is community-based. So looking at places for people in your space, something like Pinterest, maybe even YouTube, where people can actually find you through search is so powerful because now you're building a system of discoverability that allows you to get found and get seen. And you're not having to struggle to get found on the discovery tab on Instagram or use the right hashtags or somehow get as many collaborations as you can to grow that platform organically because there's so much competition and so saturated. I think search is one of the things that most creatives are missing in their business and in their strategy. And if I was starting again, I would 100% be like, look, I'm going to leverage either SEO, Pinterest, or YouTube as my search platform. And I'm going to pair that with another platform that is really relationship-based like Instagram or Facebook or whatever, TikTok, whatever floats your boat. That's what I would say. That is so smart. And the searchability too. I mean, it's really nice to have content you create that lives longer. The longer it's out there, the more it benefits you. Whereas like social media, Instagram, the opposite. But I like that community. I hadn't put that together that that's more of a community-based, like short-term, but relationship-based. I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they serve different purposes. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. So I'm curious, um, Facebook ads, you mentioned Facebook ads. So Mm -hmm. I've done Facebook ads and I've heard people say it should be a cash machine. You put in, let's say a dollar to pay for an ad and you get $10 out because of the upsells (laughs) and all of that. That's not what I saw. (laughs) And I personally have had much more success with collaborations, being a guest on a blog and free for where I'm actually right. paid to do this. Yeah. So, but like I said, I've heard people who are like, no, I swear by Facebook ads. What are your thoughts on Facebook ads? When's a good time to do that? Like, should you wait until you've got something, you know, that's hot, that's actually resonating or, I mean, speak to me about Facebook ads. Ooh, such a good question. My goodness. You're bringing, you're bringing all the questions, Elizabeth. I love these questions. <laughs> okay. So uh, love Facebook ads, um, probably more so until recently. I think they've really gone down the last two years in terms of, so Facebook is going through an existential crisis, as we know, like, you know, with their whole switch to meta and, um, understanding the reasons behind that is really important. They're losing users like crazy. I think that, um, the latest like whistleblower report, which I have conflicting opinions about, but, One thing that came out that was really positive of that was um, apparently Facebook was on trend to lose over 50% of their users by 2023 or 2022, 2023. So they're experiencing massive loss right now. And that is congruent with what we've seen with alternative social media platforms where places like Telegram are exploding, Parler, Gab, people are looking for other places where there isn't a lot of censorship, a lot of, you know, political arguments, et cetera, et cetera. So that has really affected Facebook ads the last two years. And across the board on both what I've seen running our accounts, as well as speaking to a lot of the people in my space who I know run multi-million dollar campaigns, it's a hot mess right now. It just is. You're going to pay a lot more than you used to because There is a lot of wars happening in big tech. Apple recently um, decided to change the way that their privacy uh, is set up on iPhones. So now Facebook can't track people like they were able to before, which I'm totally in favor of. Yet uh, Apple is a horrible, horrible 
manager of privacy. They try to sell us the illusion of privacy that they're just as bad as Facebook. So the whole idea is that these companies are at odds with each other. That's affected small business in a big way, particularly small businesses who rely on Facebook ads. So I'm so glad that you've had a lot of success doing free collaborations and free things online. I think that that's so important. You never want to rely on just one outlet. So the way that I look at Facebook ads and ads anywhere, because we see ads, you know, Pinterest has ads, Twitter, et cetera. And I think we're going to continue seeing more and more of that. It's a great strategy to start leveraging. Um, when you are, we usually break down the online entrepreneurial journey into six stages. We do this in our success path. And so stage number three is the hustle stage where you are kind of in the side business stage. You're trying to replace your full-time income and you're starting to get more clients and validating your idea and things are going well. You're growing your social media platform. That stage, I would probably just get your Facebook pixel set up just in case you want to run Facebook ads as you move into breakthrough, profit, and scale, which at the scale stage is really when Facebook ads become the most profitable that you can make them. Why? Because you have a really great business model and an offer that you've validated. So Facebook ads are tricky and they can be hard to run and there's a lot of nuances and honestly, it can become a full-time job. But they are extremely profitable if you run them right. And so for us, I think that going into the breakthrough hustle stage and breakthrough stage, and when I talk about breakthrough is like really when you're when you're at the stage where you hired yourself and um, things are going well and you have you know income coming in every month and you're ready to hire someone, that's when, and when I mean hire someone is help, right? We need, we all need help in our businesses. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's your first assistant, or maybe it's um, starting to add on to a team, photography, you know, content, whatever it is. Um, that's a great stage to start playing with Facebook ads. And if you're going to run a campaign, I never like the idea of, oh, Facebook is just a cash machine. No, it's not. It can be if you know what you're doing mm -hmm. and you test and you have a budget to actually burn cash before you figure out exactly mm -hmm. what's going to work. But when you're in those, you know, hustle breakthrough stage, it's great to use, have your Facebook pixel set up so that you're, you know, pixeling people. And then you can start doing things like retargeting them, the people who actually read your blogs with an offer, right? Or people who engage with your Facebook page, um, actually send them a cool lead magnet or a cool incentive to become an email subscriber so you can actually market to them through email. But for us, we've gone straight to sale um, with Facebook for several years and uh, invested over seven figures with them and made a lot of money in return. But we had to get our copy dialed in, our offer dialed in, our funnel dialed in so well that then it actually worked on autopilot. But while you're testing and experimenting, I think it's a great idea to maybe not go with the boosted post, but start promoting maybe mm -hmm. content, right? Like a blog or a video Maybe it's you demoing your product or showing behind the scenes of how you actually create whatever it is that you create. Those are extremely powerful ads. And I've seen makers have insane success with memberships. Like I know um, one of my friends is in the quilting space. And so he has a quilting membership and they've done really well with Facebook ads. So looking at small ways where you can get a handle for it, maybe investing $5 a day and running a blog to new people so you can get discovered and then using that blog as a place to capture names and emails and then start marketing to people. That's a good strategy to begin with. But as you start growing into the profit and the scale stage, that's where you can get more aggressive and start pro you know, promoting your products directly to an audience that excuse me, really response. I'm losing my voice. Um, and so that takes time. You have to be willing to put in the effort and please go so through some kind of training. It's not going to work mm -hmm. if you just turn it on and decide one day, I'm going to just experiment with it. It is way too nuanced for that. Yeah. Okay. This is super, super insightful. And, and I, yeah, I think that's resonates with me. And what I saw a little bit is like some of the ads that I did that we're just trying something out that was mm -hmm. new. It didn't go well. And then I had an opt-in that I knew was resonating with people. And I put money into that and it exploded. And mm -hmm. so 
no, you have something that is, that's working. And then exactly. really money behind that. Exactly. So changing topics a bit. One thing that I really love about you is how courageous you are. Like whether or not people agree with what you're saying, you are going to speak your mind politically. You've come talked about religion so how did you get the confidence to do that? And how has that affected your business? That is such a good question. Elizabeth, I love you for asking this question. Honestly, it was such a, I saw that question and I was like, oh, she's amazing. So this is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And um, I get questions about constantly. For me, it was a process of, um, like anyone else, I'm still afraid to speak up. Every time I post a, a new post or I say something, I'm always in the back of my mind like, this could be it. This could be the day I get canceled. <laughs> and so um, that's always in the back of my mind. You know, those feelings don't go away. It's definitely stressful. But for me, I love how you say that I'm courageous. You know, I don't see myself that way at all. I feel like the very least we can do is speak up when we see something that is not right. I think that when we look back in history, our founding fathers here in America were willing to lay down their lives for what they believed in. They went into war and they fought like heck to ensure that their rights and their freedoms were protected. So for me, Speaking out on Instagram or talking about something on Facebook feels like nothing compared to those people. Um, and I appreciate you recognizing that. And I'm not saying that um, you're wrong for saying it. I really appreciate you saying it, but I don't feel that way. And so for me, I think that it came to the point where I had to make a decision. Was I going to continue living in fear, worrying about what will people think of me? What will people say about me? Um, what will I you know, what will the future hold? Will this be the time where like, I'm going to lose a ton of clients and a ton of business and things are going to be really, really hard. Um, will I continue worrying about that? Bottling in what I know I am called to speak on, what I know God is calling me to say out loud, what I know in my heart to be true, because there's a big difference between sharing opinions and sharing convictions. And that's something I've learned in this process, right? I don't think we just go out there and just share opinions all day long. That's what influencers do. And there's a dime a dozen, right? Everyone has an opinion. But I think sharing convictions, things that you're really, really passionate about that you have researched and that you know in your heart of hearts is right and is true, that is very powerful. And so I remember going through that process of being like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot speak, not speak my mind. I can't show up every day and pretend like everything is okay when I know that is it's not. And if if I don't have that sense of responsibility as a leader, knowing that if I don't speak up, the way that we run business right now is not going to exist. We're not going to have the ability of, of free, a free marketplace where we can exchange goods and ideas and, and thoughts and be respectful in the way that we do that. We're not going to have the ability to use these platforms to share our products and grow a business and build generational wealth. That is the reality. And so looking at that outcome, thinking, my gosh, if I don't say something, who is going to speak up? Like I was looking around, waiting for my mentors, waiting for other leaders in the space to say something and finding their silence absolutely deafening was heart crunching for me. It was horrible. So I knew because of DMs, because of emails, because of messages, because our clients inside the business lounge were asking, how do I handle this situation? What do I do about this? Why isn't other, why aren't other people talking about this? Um, that there was a need and there are people who are talking about it. It. I, I love uh, following people like Sandy Krakowski and Jennifer Allwood who have been a massive inspiration. There's tons of people like Amanda Ensing, lots of people speaking up, whether they're on the right or on the left politically, doesn't matter. This is not about politics. Um, and then having to make that decision for me was, was really a matter of realizing. I, I remember I read this quote, I think it's by Winston Churchill, um, and he said something like, fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. So for me, that rang true. 
deciding to speak up and say, you know what? Do I care more about being liked? Do I care more about having clients and having success and having influence and getting followers and getting engagement? Or do I care about being able to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and know that I have really lived authentically, that I have led in the way that I've been called to lead and that I have served at the highest capacity. I can't be that if I'm not actually speaking out about topics that affect small business owners constantly. You know, I I am shocked, utterly shocked that we have gone through basically two years of this madness, seeing small business owners literally disappear. I have our favorite restaurants are literally going out of business. Gyms going out of business. Small businesses are the core foundation of America. We employ the grand majority of people. And so to see small businesses being casted away and discarded, like we were just dispensable was really difficult for me. And so I am, I'm very convicted that if we don't speak up about this as a collective, if we don't talk about the things that um, really matter to us as entrepreneurs, do we expect that we're just going to be able to do this forever? Like, it's not going to exist. Capitalism needs to be fought for. And, and we have to be willing to pay the price of fighting for the things that we believe in. And so for me, I had to make the decision and know that you know, this could be the hill that I die on. This could be the thing that um, costs me everything that I have worked 10 years to build um, and I have sacrificed and, and have given so much. But I have to meet my maker one day and give an account for what I did and what I didn't do. And I have to also be able to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day, like I said. And more importantly, if we get out of this mess, down the line, I will have children that will one day ask me, what did you do during this time, mommy? How did you actually, you know, handle this situation? And I want to be able to look at them in the face and say, mommy fought tooth and nail. Mommy and daddy spoke up when it was hard to speak up. Mommy and daddy did more than just that. We got involved in our community and we affected change and we made sure that we would never have to go through this so that you could start a business, so that you could pursue your dreams and do it freely in a way that, um, really lifts other people up and serves at the highest capacity. So for me, um, it's really important that I keep living um, just in alignment with my values, whether people agree with them or not, whether it hurts their feelings or not. I'm not doing it because um, I want to cause division or because I'm trying to be attract attention. I'm doing it because I truly care about people in this space. I love our members. I love entrepreneurs. I love small business owners, and I want them to be able to continue doing what they do best. I love it. And I have to thank you. Like, I live in Texas, not in Austin. I know you live in Austin. I'm in the Houston area, but I like was motivated to go out and vote in recent elections because of what you were saying. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm personally conflicted where I honestly watching you, I'm trying to think if there was someone else too, but mostly you speak your mind when it's not popular. You know, I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I could do this. I don't feel as called to do it, but Mm -hmm. I could. (laughs) And there are certain things where I will talk about it and I have to stop looking at people and following me because they do. And it's okay. You know, that's fine. You're getting your people and the people who you resonate with. But, um, but there is a part of me that was like, I wonder if I'm okay with this a little bit because I've reached a point of success Mm -hmm. where I am okay if people leave. You yeah, know, so right, I'm curious right. if it becomes easier to do that with success or, or, or am I being a weakling, you know, no, I, I'm being completely honest, you know, <laughs> um, no, yeah. I, I love that you brought this up because it's such an important conversation to have. So here's the deal. You asked me if it had affected my business and I did not answer that question. And I want to answer that question directly. So yes and no. Um, yes, it's affected my engagement, of course. Um, it's so obvious. It's so crazy to me, but like Instagram will straight up shadow ban me for a certain amount of time. Um, every time I talk about certain topics and, um, it'll all of a sudden come back when I'm quiet 
right? So like they will incentivize me to not speak up and it's incredible. Like they will cut my Instagram views, my, my story views by 75% out of the blue. And then all of a sudden I'm back with like twice the amount. So I, I've tracked it over the last two years and I've tracked it on my husband's account too. And it's really interesting to see. So in that sense, if you think about like engagement and potential followers, it has on Instagram, on YouTube, it's exploded my growth. And it's also, uh, up until this point, I know that I have probably lost some customers on but I can't pinpoint a single one that's complained or has told us straight up, like, I don't want to be a part of the community. It has doubled the amount of people we have attracted as a result. So I can tie directly, I would say probably a good 15% increase in on um, our our revenue inside the business lounge because members have specifically cited, I'm joining because of what you've been saying. I'm joining because I'm so uh, convicted that this is the place that I need to be. I want to surround myself with people who are who are strong and who are leading and who are talking about the hard things, even when they're getting the backlash. I'm not there yet. And I don't know that I can speak up, but I just want to be a part of that. So that has been a huge blessing just to like, I didn't expect that. I wasn't doing that for that reason. I expected the exact opposite, but it's been a really interesting situation where, yeah, the engagement part, you know, like, I don't think my Instagram account is going to grow much further um, if I keep speaking out like this, but um, I don't depend on Instagram and I build my business to not have to worry about that. So, you know, I have so much traffic that comes from other sources that it's fine. Um, now, if your business depends on social media, then obviously be be calculated. I didn't just decide one day to like, this is the day, you know, like I was watching trends from other creators and seeing like, okay, what, what's going on with them? Sounds like the minute they speak up, they get all this backlash for a period. Um, and I, I was tracking accounts that were like hundred thousand plus and they lose, you know, maybe like 10% of their following. But then this wave of new people comes in a couple months later and it's like, whoa, they're totally in line with, you know, the same values. So you tend to attract, right, what you actually put out in the world. So oftentimes people will message me like, I have such a small business. Like, I, I don't want to speak up. I don't want to say anything because like, I just don't have the confidence you've made it. And so it's easier for you. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So what I say to that is it's easier to lose 30 clients now, or maybe 300 followers now than it is to lose 3,000 clients down the line and 30,000 followers when you've quote unquote made it. So I would say it's easier in terms of the psyche when you've uh, like gotten to a point in your business where you're doing well because you have more confidence, but it's a lot harder with the backlash because you will get people, way more people at one time who are not going to be happy. And so I did it slowly. I didn't just come up and be like, this is what I believe in and like, whatever, you know, um, it was a slow progression. I started talking about my faith and then I started talking about values and slowly posting things and people picked up on it and they left or they picked up on it and said, I respect you and I love you regardless. We have a differing opinion. And I love those people so much because we're able to think differently, vote differently, worship differently, but we're still aligned in business and we respect each other. And that's beautiful. But, um, over time, I just was like, as things escalate and, you know, the past two years, that has helped because it's been so insane that I was like, I've reached a point where I have to, there is no other option. Like I have to talk about this. If I don't talk about this, then I look like a total phony and that's not who I am. I can't, I can't do that. So it has helped and it has hurt me in some ways, but honestly, overall, it's been very freeing. And I feel like I'm in alignment with my passion and my purpose and the people that I need to serve. So that's been positive. And I want to encourage everyone. Yes. I, I, what was, said it was very freeing and I was thinking liberating, but there is something just so liberating about being able to be a hundred percent. You talk right. about what you want, not have to filter it. And like, Oh, it's just so liberating, you know? It really so, is. And you like the people who like you and, and are respectful if they don't agree, that's mm -hmm. who you want anyways. So you right. may as well 
those people from the get-go. And Absolutely. Yeah, and I love also, that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I just wanted to say yeah, about, go ahead. this is the last thing. Um, you know, as you grow and you scale a business, you start realizing people will criticize you for anything. They will criticize the way that you talk. They will criticize your voice. They will criticize the way you look. They will criticize your hair, what you're wearing, whether or not you said what you needed to say, whether they liked it, what, like the pettiest of things, you know, like I, I get messages sometimes and I'm like, this cannot be real. This cannot be real. Um, people just complaining about how I did my eyebrows that day. Like, wow. So it's not even, I'm not even like a, big personality. I can't imagine what it's like when you're like Joe Rogan status, right? But um, if they're going to criticize you for pettiest of things, they might as well criticize you for something you believe in. Like for me, that was a, a really important factor. It's like, listen, this is what I believe in. This is worth the criticism for me. You're going to criticize anyway. So it might as well be focused on something that I care about. And so it's not easy. It still hurts whenever it happens, but it's so far and few in between now, honestly, Elizabeth, the amount of like hateful messages I get are nearly zero, which is really amazing. Um, and I just hope to encourage other people. If you're thinking about doing this, be very strategic with the way you do it. Think about it. If you're a person of faith, pray about it. I think that's really important. Um, and then take baby steps and see, see how it goes. I love that. And for our listeners, just to wrap it up and those well, hopefully you had a minute to think about it, but <laughs> if you had to think of your biggest takeaway tip for an entrepreneur, let's say who's starting out, yeah, what would that be? Wow. Ooh. Okay. So I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a hard one. That's a hard one. But, um, I would have to say for sure, fall in love with the people you serve. I think that's the key to business and the key to success is obsess about your customers, figure out what is it that their pain point is. And I know sometimes for creatives that can be hard because they're like, I'm not solving like cancer or like world hunger. I just paint these beautiful pieces of art or, you know, I create these awesome quilts or I craft and I do this. It's like, no, 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 no. Listen, it's easy to undermine your worth and your value. You have to understand that there's so many people in the world who art is therapy to them. The work that you do in the world is, is something that they get to disengage from their chaotic, difficult, challenging life and have a space to just be and enjoy themselves. And so oftentimes with my clients, um, we have several authors and several people who, you know, they're like in the fiction space and they're like, well, I just write novels or, you know, I just paint these things. I'm like, listen. Someone is sitting in their living room right now feeling a sense of like relief because your painting that is now hanging on their wall after a very challenging day at work is like giving them bliss and zen. And this is a thing that like they cherish and they enjoy and they can pass on to other generations. And it's like becomes like almost like a family heirloom. Those things have value and they're so important. And so we all play a piece and we all play a role. So as you're building a business, I want to make sure that you're valuing yourself, that you realize that what you do is really important and that you also fall in love with the people that you're serving. We all solve a problem. It doesn't matter what kind of product you create or how creative you are in business. There's always a problem that we're solving for the marketplace, even if it's just entertainment, even if it's just relaxation, even if it's just doing something with their hands that they're not able to do, you know, in their day job because they're sitting in front of the computer all day. So I just want to make sure that you fall in love with the people that you serve, that you make it a priority to get in their heads and figure out exactly how to speak to them and how to build really amazing products that serve them and that can make an impact in their lives, even if it feels like it's a small thing. That's what I would say. I love it. Everything you speak is just so passionate and beautiful. I absolutely love that. Like it's such good advice. Thank you, Elizabeth. So for our listeners who want to find you, where should they go? Yeah, you can come over to KimberlyAnnHimenez.com. That is like our HQ for all things. You can watch our videos, listen to our podcast, or you can find our podcast over on the Business Launch. So just wherever you listen to podcasts, the Business Launch podcast. We also have a YouTube channel and then, of course, Instagram. But you'll find all the links over at KimberlyAnnHimenez.com. 
Perfect. And I'll put the links in the show notes as well. So if anyone's wanting to find it, quilterscandy.com. And this is the episode with Kimberly Hermanas. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And there, there is a little chat button in the website where you can ask questions and my team will route them to me or you can DM me on Instagram. If there's anything in this episode that you're like, that sounds great, but I have a question about this. I love answering questions. So feel free to come over and uh, give me a shout. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. This was a pleasure. Thank you, Elizabeth. Kim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You were just a pleasure to chat with. And for those of our listeners who want to find her again, you can go to the show notes at quilterscandy.com episode 41. And you can find all the links to Kim's website, her podcast, her courses. If this episode was insightful for you or helpful, Take a screenshot and you can share it on social media. Let your other business friends know that there is this free resource, this podcast that every week is sharing free tips on how to help you have a successful business. And that is what this is all about. I try to bring the best guests, share and answer questions. In fact, I got a DM with a question the other day asking about teaching virtually online and some tips for that. And so I will actually be creating a podcast on that very thing. So please share this podcast with others. Let me know what you want to hear. Definitely subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave a review. I will give you a shout out in the show and I love to just stay connected and know who's here and how this is resonating with you. So thank you so much for being a part of this Crafty Career podcast community. I will see you next Friday with a brand new episode.